my friends, and welcome to the worldwide broadcast of the Ted Nostum Brower Show, bringing you the latest world news and health research. Hope everyone's having an absolutely blessed day today in middle of the week here. I'll be running solo today on the show. Dad's traveling out of town, and we weren't able to get on the video today, so we'll be doing audio only. But I got a lot of good articles for you, a lot of good stories I've been covering all morning. So I got a whole bunch of stuff, so buckle up and get ready. And if you guys saw the product of the week overnight, it won the NATO Kinesis great formula, incredibly good at basically helping to support the smooth flow of blood and helping out also healthy blood pressure, reducing blood clots, and really helping out with blood viscosity. So be sure to check that out on the front page of the website. That will be changing later on today as product of the week and surpassing the ultimate multiple powder, which is on sale one last week and still on sale for the next couple hours. NATO Kinesis will be going on later on this afternoon, and I'll do a big sale on that for everyone so they can jump on it if they want to grab it. That's why it's also part our spike proteins uh, survival kit as it really helps as far as when you use it in conjunction with vitamin E helps out really with blood flow, cardiovascular health. So be sure to do some research on it. Look it up. Really great product on sale later on today as uh, it's really, really effective, especially if you're like, say, you're dealing with any type of cardiovascular issues or if you're trying to prevent any issues with spike proteins. Great product. Going to be on sale at healthmasters.com. Now, one of the first things that I saw this morning, this is interesting, is, you know, this there's only so much influx certain areas. And I've talked about this before. Certain areas can take when it comes to increasing the population density at a unnatural speed. You know, when you start having unnatural growth as far as with a population density and you start having tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people enter a certain area very, very abruptly without the infrastructure build out, without the tax build out, without any aspects of being brought in as far as with work contributing factors, anything like that, which what we've seen now with this giant migrant issue that's happening all across the country, you start running into essentially what happens when you have failed cities. They can't function properly. The infrastructure isn't there. The population density isn't there to handle the, a lot of the load from everything because you don't have more people going into positions like, say, with waste management and other, other things like you know HVAC and plumbers and so forth. Those positions don't expand. You just have a population density that explodes rapidly. And what's interesting, I saw a video. It was kind of funny, but it kind of wasn't, and it was talking about how in Massachusetts – you know, and they've done this in New York and multiple other states as well, where the state will come in and essentially give you money like an Airbnb to rent out part of your house, like, a, you know, an extra spare bedroom. So it's essentially like having an Airbnb, but they're doing it for, for migrants. So they say, hey, listen, we'll give you, you know, $115 a night for this room, and essentially we're going to bring somebody over, and you're going to house them, and it's going to be like a little bed and breakfast, but we're going to cut you a check. Well, this interesting article, this woke couple who's all hardcore liberal leftists, and they wanted to do their part. They signed up for this essentially this migrant Airbnb, and uh, they kind of got more than they bargained for. In the video below, they talk about how essentially they signed up to host illegal migrants in their home within an hour, an hour after they applied for it. They had four illegals dropped off at their doorstep with no information and no background and no understanding what they were even doing. Just, hey, by the way, here's four individuals. You have to house them now. We'll cut you a check once a month. And they said – the family said, we don't even have sheets on the bed. We didn't know how many people were coming. We didn't know what their ages were. We didn't know what they wanted to eat. And they were trying to be all like friendly, friendly. Well, apparently now a lot of these families are going, yeah, we're not okay with this. Well, the issue now is you're having a problem with essentially squatting. 
because now that these migrants get into these homes and you bring them into your homes, you have no idea who they are. They can be MS-13 gang members for all you know. There's no background checks being put out there for them. Now, essentially, they don't want to leave. They're happy and cozy and happy, you know, in these little houses and all excited to be there and nobody can get them out, essentially. And this is starting to happen all across the country. And again, this is one of the crazy aspects, though, of when you start seeing people go in and start doing really, really moronic things. And at the same time, they don't even bother to think about the consequences of their actions when they start doing this. They may think, oh, it's a few extra dollars. We're going to Airbnb our bedroom. Got it. You want to bring a little bit more revenue. But you really need to use some wisdom when you start bringing in people that you don't even know who they are, and what their background is, or how many of them are coming in. And again, this is all part of the state taking that aspect of being able to live freely and essentially trying to take it away. Coming in and saying, no, listen, we're going we're gonna to basically quarter people in your house. We're going to throw you a few dollars, and you're essentially going to have to take care of them. You're going to have to house them. You're going to have to feed them. You have to basically maintain them now because that's what your job is to do. And what's crazy about this – excuse me. I saw an article here earlier, and it was discussing how the Homeland Security director – has now been impeached for a second time. We talked about it last week, February 13th. House Republicans succeeded in their second attempt to impeach Department of Homeland Security. And uh, uh, Secretary, the House adopted articles of impeachment against the embattled DHS chief in response to his allegations that his policies are directly responsible for the southern border. Yes, everybody understands now that basically the DHS secretary is blatantly involved and essentially bringing in individuals to the United States. You can't, you can't even act like he's doing this accidentally or he's just that naive. He's directly involved with the communist agenda to essentially divide and conquer and to overwhelm the structure in the United States. I mean, he, he's blatantly obvious about it, and he gaslights the heck out of everybody. You can't even watch many of his interviews because he'll just blatantly just try to straight lie. Everything's good. Everything's great. There is no crisis at the border. Everything's running smoothly. DHS is doing their job. We have no idea what anybody's talking about. Everybody just needs to go back to bed and watch their Super Bowl game and be happy. Basically what he says. He did that interview last week, if you guys remember. Ironically, at a press conference for an upcoming Super Bowl, no idea why he's even there. I mean, again, this just shows you the level of theater, and he blatantly said that the allegations about impeachment are completely baseless. There's no aspect to anything they're saying that's even remotely accurate, and that he promises not to step down. These individuals, when they're in this position and they become entrenched because they're not voted on, I've told you this before, this is the issue you start having with these alphabet agencies. The communists have realized that, and that's one of the reasons why they've expanded when they got into a lot of the infrastructure with the CIA and other deep state factors. The communistic mindset is you can't have a republic where people actually vote on individuals. They're not elected. You can't have elected individuals in a communist country. You have to have tyrants. You have to have dictators. You have to have people that are selected, not elected. And this is exactly what they've done now with the expansion of the United States infrastructure when it comes to the government bodies with these alphabet agencies that nobody ever votes on. I talked to you guys yesterday how insane it is. That the EPA keeps overruling dicamba rules from the, you know, from basically these courts and basically from these judges. And they simply keep reapproving dicamba, reapproving dicamba, even though it's unbelievably toxic to every living element. It's causing all types of problems with plants and so forth. And yet the EPA keeps approving it, approving it, just like they've done with glyphosate. But yet they'll literally go out of their way to go find a shop somewhere out in the middle of the woods that took a DPF off a truck that's 10 years old 
and charged him for $50,000 per violation of taking the DPF particulate filter off the diesel truck because it's causing all these problems with the engine, causing it to overheat and burn the turbos up and run fuel pressure up. That's where they're at now. I talked to somebody the other day who's in the diesel world. And they, you know, they knew some stuff about deleting back in the day, and they don't mess with it anymore because it's such a nightmare. But they said that the EPA now, they literally will send snitches, little off, like undercover EPA snitches to go to diesel shops and try to talk them into allowing them to basically do a DPF delete and tune for them on their trucks and essentially try to get these shops caught up. In a, in a basically like a little snitch sting operation, and then they go in and they find them at minimum fifty thousand dollars per truck that they were going to delete. And the million dollar question is, you got you got to show the question: Are these fines that the EPA assesses? They say well, it's to help combat climate change. Where's the fifty thousand dollars actually go? Where's it go? It goes to the general funding of the EPA to continue to expand their own infrastructure and essentially justify their own existence. This is the same thing the FBI has done, same thing the DEA has done, same thing that the ATF has done. This is why the ATF had the giant debacle with the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas. The entire aspect of the ATF was about to get dissolved and get absorbed by the FBI after after Ruby Ridge and everything that happened with Randy Weaver. The ATF was getting dissolved. They were done. There was no aspect of them that was even remotely constitutional. And so essentially these judges were like, we're done. And so ATF had to have a precipitating incident to try to make themselves look like they were the good guys and that they were coming in to do this good work. So they were going to go arrest David Koresh at his compound and do a full-blown siege on the compound with a bunch of ATF agents and then end up shooting him and get in a gunfight instead of just arresting him when he was in town almost virtually every single day. I mean he used to go down to the bars. He used to go hang out with people. He knew everybody in Waco. Instead of waiting for him to go arrest him and basically prove their point, they wanted to do this giant raid because they basically thought that the Branch Davidians were manufacturing their own firearms and building their own you know, three-pin lower receivers. And so they wanted to have this big sting operation that they were going to, again, justify their own existence. And so everything that ensued with Mount Carmel after that and the siege and after 50-plus days and over 76 women and children killed, it was a complete debacle. Ironically enough, the ATF still wasn't dissolved after that because, again, they have to control the narrative when it comes to the firearms. This is what you saw in Hawaii the other day. I talked to you guys about it, where Hawaii now is saying essentially they don't have to follow the Second Amendment, that it is not a constitutional right to be able to carry a firearm. That essentially, they can do whatever they want in Hawaii as far as the government. And if they want to tell you you can't own a firearm or you can't carry a firearm, they have the right to do so. And what's crazy about this is that you see more and more of this invasion on the Second Amendment and more and more just push to try to make people believe and think that they don't have a right to defend themselves, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Ironically, at the same time, we've got this massive weapon laundering, weapons, weapon trafficking to Ukraine. I mean, I, I watched a couple of the excerpts yesterday, you know, and an absolute slimeball Mitt Romney. He's literally on the Senate floor. And they're talking about this $95 billion bill, almost $100 billion with not a single penny going to anything to do with border security in the United States. Almost $100 billion going to other countries for weapon platforms and to secure their own border allegedly. And Mitt Romney goes, this will be the single-handedly most important vote you ever vote on in the Senate in your career. 
And I'm looking at him like, God, you're a piece of garbage. Well, yeah, for him, because he's probably going to kick back hundreds of millions of dollars, as a lot of the senators and congressional leaders are, in my opinion, from what I've been told. That's why you can't you can't just go and dump hundreds of billions of dollars into a country that's failing in a war and not expect to get a significant amount of money laundering and weapons trafficking, as we've now seen a lot of the weapons that have shown up over there in Ukraine are now showing up in Yemen and showing up in Africa and showing up now with the Mexican drug cartel, which is exactly what I told you was going to happen when this entire conflict started in 2022. And, you know, Rand Paul went on a rant as far as voting against this insane bill for another $100 billion. He goes, he goes, where, where's this money coming from? He goes, we don't have a slush fund. We don't have a big piggy bank of $100 billion. We can just go hand out to people in need. He goes, we don't have anything. He goes, we're completely insolvent as a country. We have no money at all whatsoever. We literally have to borrow money and go print it up or go sell our debt to China to give money to another country. And he goes, the enti- this bill is larger than the entire United States Marine Corps budget every year. The amount of money that we're sending in one bill to go to Ukraine and to go to Israel is larger than the entire Marine Corps budget for the year. And he goes, this is not only an atrocity. He goes, this is illegal. This isn't even justifiable what's going on right now. The sad part about it is he's exactly right. This whole thing has turned into a giant sham, and it's frustrating because, you know, last time I checked, when you have a government by the people for the people, you are supposed to have representatives. And so you you go in and you look at things and you go, okay, what's the deal? What's going on? What's happening? What's really occurring right now? And so you look at things and you go, okay, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And you understand the fact that we're supposed to have this aspect of the republic that represents people and represents you know the constituents. But again, that's all stopped now. And again, this is why we really, really need some reform in a lot of those factors and sectors. Also to another news, this is interesting. Australian government, you guys know how tyrannical they went, is planning a nationwide digital ID launch, which is tentatively set for this year. They said it could be delayed for logistical reasons. However, it is definitely pushing the new digital ID agenda on the country. And in its first parliament last year, the digital ID bill in Australia finished the final stage at the end of January, garnering input from businesses and financial groups. The country's authority are currently communicating with the individual states. As announcement from the Department of Finance revealed that the novel system would empower users to select the preferred digital ID provider for the accessibility of both government and private services. Private entities can apply for accreditation to provide digital ID services under the trusted digital ID framework. Now, what's crazy about this when you look at it, the national ID system they want to put in essentially serves as a comprehensive version of MyGovID that Australians currently utilize. And essentially, this is to retain other digital ID issues and make everything a digital platform. They said the digital IDs will involve the collection and storage of personal data, including biometric information such as fingerprints and facial recognition data. This concentration of sensitive data can be a tempting target for hackers and cyber criminals. Yeah, the government, the biggest hackers and cyber criminals there ever are. That's what you always got to ask yourself when you see these giant hacks on databases. You really got to wonder who's actually behind it. Who's really behind the curtain when you see these banks get hacked, you see these companies get hacked, all this data gets breached. You got to look at it and kind of go, okay, really? Is this really what's going on? Or are we being lied to again? And they're simply using this as a scapegoat to essentially harvest data. Just my thoughts on that. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting. I was reading how the 
uh, BMJ, British Medical General, reports uh, claims behavior interventions are needed to reduce vaccine hesitancy driven by misinformation on social media. And essentially, this is what's interesting about it is they're saying now that they, people's behavior needs to completely change. And essentially, we need to start having interventions through social media to change people's thoughts about vaccine hesitancy. This is what it goes on to say here. In order to reduce vaccine hesitancy driven by misinformation on social media, the BMJ wants big tech platforms to promote the visibility of what its editors and controllers consider to be reliable health information while reducing or censoring the visibility of anything else. The BMJ also wants more pro-action on social media platforms and dealing with the proliferation of misinformation. In the article BMJ published about the matter, the authors first define how they feel social media affect vaccine campaigns. They claim, they claim nothing good comes from any online public discourse about vaccines and only leads to misinformation. A.K.A. You're not allowed to talk about anything. You're not allowed to criticize anything. You're not allowed to ask questions about anything. You simply need to sit down, shut up, be a good peasant, get your injection in your arm, and don't question anything they're telling you. That's what they're saying, a.k.a. This is, it goes back to exactly what Dad and I talked about all week on the show earlier, is that find out who you can't criticize, find out what you're not allowed to talk about, find out who controls the narrative, and you will find out very quickly who essentially you're not allowed to question, you're not allowed to talk to. You saw it with Fauci when he'd come on and basically say, I am science. If you question me, if you argue with me, then essentially you're denying science. It's just a fact. I am science. And this, again, goes back to what you see now with these groups that get in authority powers and they become full tyrants and they simply come back with these, these rebuttals that you can't question anything I say. Remember when social media and all these platforms during COVID not only delisted and deplatformed almost anyone that questioned the narrative. I mean, there are people with hundreds of thousands of followers, organic, that were putting information out there, questioning the narrative, and their entire accounts were dropped, dismissed, deleted, gone. Still to this day, they're not up. And then anytime somebody even posts something remotely questioning the vaccine, you'd have this big block at the bottom. The CDC fact checkers has determined this to be false. Then there's no legitimate rebuttal to it. They just come up with some random third-party fact-checker said it was false. Okay, cool. Why is it false? We've determined it's false because we've done our research. And so what they're saying is here now they want to go to the next step further, and this is going to tie back into what we've talked about with the World Health Organization and Disease X and all these things. They want to get a lot of this stuff into place because what happened was COVID not only was it a massive beta test. This is why I told everybody don't comply. It was essentially a giant testing ground to see how far they could push the narrative with so many different directions, how far they could get people to comply, how far they could get people to go along with downright lies and not question anything. And that was the aspect. You had the frontline doctors that came on you know, the internet and said, listen, we're – we're seeing ivermectin and zinc working great with vitamin C as far as like a 100% recovery rate. You had that one doctor that came out and wrote that article that he basically had over 100 patients with a 100% survival rate that had basically contracted COVID. He was using intravenous vitamin C or high-dose oral vitamin C, 100% recovery rate, 100%, and he documented it all. They literally completely banned him, said, you're not allowed to talk about this. This is fake news. You're peddling misinformation. This is medical misinformation, and we're going to take your license if you say anything else. 
This, again, is why it's so important to have open platforms and be able to speak freely. When you start allowing certain groups, whoever that group may be, when you start allowing them to come in and start dictating what you can and can't say, the end is very near for a country. It really is because you see this in every tyrant-controlled country is they control what people can and can't say. And that's exactly why it's so important to continue to support Shows like this and get the truth out there, forward our articles, forward our shows, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. We're working on an absolutely awesome new website. I told you guys last year we had a tech guy that was basically working on some stuff for us, and uh, the new website that we rolled out was not up to par that I wanted. That's why I reverted back to the older one that's working great, but we got a new one that's coming together that you guys are going to like it. I mean it's, it's as modern and as updated and as fast and as – cool as it can possibly get is exactly what I was looking for. So if you guys were wondering about that, yes, that's what we're going on with right now. We really just started all over. And uh, again, sometimes that happens. Sometimes you got to take a step back and say, listen, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to fix it. And uh, got the right people in the right places now building the right product. So you guys are going to be really excited about that. Hopefully we should have it rolling out in the first month, but we're also going to have a lot of testing on it this time to make sure everything is operational as it should be to make sure everybody's got a super smooth, super seamless transaction and experience experience on the website with all the data and information that they want to look at as easy as you can possibly get it. So again, thank you for your patience on that. And thank you for supporting health masters, because again, this is why we do this. And I mean, when you got the BMJ coming out now and saying that essentially anybody that questions anything about the COVID shot, that questions any type of intervention, that essentially they need to be shut down, that they're misinformation, you start realizing that the next phase, when they get the chance to do so, they're going to try to push every single aspect of control over the general population, and that's why you've got to be able to stand up and say, no, I'm not complying with this because you're educated and you understand the topics. That's one of the biggest things I think a lot of misconceptions that people fail to realize is people go, well, I can't do anything about this. There's nothing that I can do. I can't change this. I can't stop this from happening or this from happening. And physically on certain things, no, you possibly can't. But one thing like Jim Rohn says, always work harder on yourself than you do at your job. And what I'm referencing to that is always work harder on yourself to learn more, to be more educated, to be more versed, and everything else, including your job and other factors of your life, will continue to grow and expand. And that goes also back to the same aspect of being educated on these topics. You may not be able to physically do something right this second. But if you have the ammunition and you're geared up and you know the topics and something gets brought up to you, you run into somebody or there's something that you have to do or you've got to go speak somewhere and you know what you're talking about, you can have a very open platform and you can actually have a very good discussion and or argument or wherever it leads to because you know what you're talking about. And the thing about it is these groups, they cannot stand it. Excuse me. They cannot stand it when people are educated. That's one of the biggest things these globalist boys, these banker boys hate is people being actually educated. And I don't mean having a bunch of degrees from a college and underwater basket weaving and you know social studies or whatever other aspects. I'm not picking anybody that's got that. What I'm saying is real, true, hard-knock school education of coming in and saying, listen, this is what's really happening. This is what's really going on. This is why we're talking about it because then when they try to rebuttal you, they try to argue with you. They try to tell you how the world works. They try to tell you that you're wrong. You've got the backup saying, no, I absolutely know what I'm talking about. There's no question whatsoever about it. This is what I'm standing on, and this is what I'm going to argue with you on because I know I'm right. And again, that's so important, and there's so many things you can do to continue to stay educated. Also, to another news, this is a very strange article, and I'm going to do some more research on it because this is actually from last week, and it didn't get a lot of press, 
but it also, too, looks like it's probably going to be overturned. And it was essentially a U.S. Circuit judge, Thomas Ambro, last week in a ruling essentially said that refusing to wear masks isn't conduct protected by the U.S. Constitution. A U.S. appeals court has ruled. This is very strange. So the question shadowing suits such as these is whether there's a First Amendment right to refuse to wear protective masks as required by valid health and safety orders put into place during a recognized public health emergency. Like all courts address the issue, we conclude that it is not. They went on to say here that essentially, for example, you can say that they said the ruling from the U.S. Court of Appeals came in response to cases filed by New Jersey residents George Falcone and Gwyneth Nolan, who argued the refusal to wear a mask at a school board meeting was protected under the First Amendment. They were engaging in constitutionally protected activities, including his remaining unmasked, the attorney said for Falcone, who was given a police summons in 2022. Now, again, this was up in, like I said, up in New Jersey. And so, you know, I don't know as far as the aspect of a lot of these guys, what they're really, uh, you know, the rights are up there. But I was reading more and more into this. And what's crazy about it is when you have something so vague, like this judge is trying to stand on, you say it's not a First Amendment right to refuse to wear protective masks as required by valid health and safety orders. The question about that is, well, what right do you have at a certain point to say, no, I'm not going to wear a protective mask during a valid health and safety order? I'm asking that question. What's, what is the line? What's the aspect? Is that going to fall into the same category that we saw where these courts and these areas were trying to force people to get experimental injections? They said you don't have a right to say no to a shot that's experimental RNA gene therapy because there's a valid health and safety order in place and you have to follow exactly what we're telling you. Where is the line drawn where the state loses its power to start coming in and saying you have to do this and you have to do that? It's kind of like I talked to you about yesterday in the state of Florida now where they're trying to pass this bill to essentially come in and um, tell everyone that they um, – that you know, children under sixteen can't use social media platforms. Just, just what they're saying. Now, what's interesting about that is that you can't really sit there and justify, you know, the aspect of the government coming in and telling everyone that you know you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do this, because that shouldn't it be the job of the parent? Shouldn't it be the job of essentially the family? to manage that more. And the questions we've talked about is yes, but then you also run into the aspect of, okay, where is it healthy in the aspect of being able to do this? And it's kind of, you know, where we went yesterday, you know, when the, when the state starts coming in and saying, you can't do this and you can't do that, it generally just escalates further and further and further with more and more rules and regulations. When at the same time, just like Ted said yesterday, it really is the job of the parents in order to be able to do this with their kids. And the problem with it is now you've got this generation, this younger generation that doesn't even understand how to not have or be on social media. These younger kids now, they're in their 20s having kids. They don't know. They literally don't know. And so you're going to see this next generation. I've warned about it, man. I've really encouraged people, especially the younger kids that are having kids. I really encourage them to monitor what their kids do and what they do with these iPads and what they do with these video games because it is becoming a severe epidemic among what anybody can even fathom right now, and nobody sees it. That's the spooky part to me. I talk about it all the time, and nobody 
body sees it, what it's doing with rewiring the brain, what it's doing with excessive dopamine triggers, what it's doing with constant screen time for the eyes and the retinas and the ocular problems that you're seeing with these kids at an early age, what it's doing with social engagements and the ability for them to communicate with other individuals when they can't because all they do is stare at a screen all day long. There are so many factors that are playing a role on the negative. When you look at a T-chart, you look at pro and cons, you know, cost-benefit analysis, so to speak, the cost is so great with allowing children to use excessive screen time with games and stuff at an early age, and there's virtually no benefit. The only benefit, I guess you could say, is it pacifies them so you can get more stuff done. I guess you could justify that. They can sit on the couch and drool on their screen for eight hours while you get the house clean or you do yard work. But on the other hand, too, shouldn't you be teaching them how to do that? Shouldn't they be out in the yard with you doing some yard work, learning how to fix sprinklers, learn how to cut the grass, learn how to operate a pressure washer? Just my take on it. Shouldn't that be the aspect and the role of the family? I know it was with me, and I know this with my kids. I know a lot of other families do the same thing, and that's kind of where we're starting to lose this generation now where we're turning an entire generation of idiots where they have no actual skill set to even do anything. They don't even know how to change a tire. They don't even know how to wash a car. They're, some don't even know how to change a light bulb. You laugh when I say that, and I'm not joking. They don't know. Where's your light bulb? Where's your instruction manual? How do I place this? Okay, well, you may need an Allen wrench to pull the glass bulb off so you can access the light bulb, and usually left loosens it in most cases. Don't know what other light bulbs you've been using. It's not rocket science. It's pretty easy. Oh, no, I don't know how to do that. That's too much work. This is exactly what you're seeing now all across the globe with these children now that have no idea how to do anything. And so, again, this is why it's really important. Keep raising little Americans and keep encouraging others to do the same now. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting as well. I was looking at essentially the next attack on food is essentially going to be in our backyards, which you've already seen now <coughs> all across the globe. Excuse me. What you've been seeing in Europe with these giant protests and everything that's been going on over there. And you're seeing more and more now in Europe where the tractors are blocking traffic, where they're basically blocking roads. And I'll give these guys credit. They've really done an enormous role in standing up, and they've reversed – the parliament's reversed a lot of these insane rulings, and again, they kicked the can down the road. You know, I don't know where it's going to go as far as you know, they're actually stopping it, but you know, for the time being, they've proved their point, which is good, and essentially that's why you're seeing now in some of these areas where essentially you're not allowed to even – grow food in your backyard. You're not even allowed to have gardens in your backyard. And they're coming in now and saying the carbon footprint of homegrown food is five times greater than those grown in regular conventions. That was a headline that was recently published in an article discussed by a study from the University of Michigan, which claims the impact on the environment is almost five times higher for individual gardens, such as vegetable patches, than it is from rural farms or by mass production. This, this shows you how far-reaching they are now. This shows you how far-reaching... Guys, the last time I checked, plants were here long before us. When God Almighty spoke the earth into existence, he didn't make a mistake. He didn't make a <laughs> he didn't misspeak and put the plants here and say, Oh, whoopsie, those plants are gonna ruin the earth. It wasn't <laughs> so silly. And so again, the study from the University of Michigan looked at how much CO2 was produced when growing food in different types of urban farms and found that an average serving of food made from traditional farms creates about 0.07 kilograms of CO2. Newsflash, this is necessary. CO2 is not a problem. Plants are designed to function with this. I, I digress. I'm not going to get that. I'm reading more of this article. They said the impact on the environment is almost five times higher 
at 0.34 kilograms per person for individual gardens such as vegetable patches. The study included 73 urban agricultural sites around the world. So, yes, it appears that essentially they're taking (laughs) no prisoners with this. They're going to push as hard as they can by now saying, I guess, having a garden in your backyard, your carbon footprint is too high. And as we all know, the entire aspect of the carbon footprint and CO2 and everything they keep bringing up is a complete and total farce. Nothing about it is even remotely accurate. Everything we've seen with plants for thousands of years of research, we understand that they function just like they're supposed to function. They do what they're supposed to do. And this is all about the aspect of using this as an excuse to control and manipulate the population, especially when it comes to food. As as we have seen in every tyrannical regime, if you control the food, you control the people. That's what it comes down to. That's why I've always told so many people that ask me as far as having backup food, backup food buckets, some backup MREs, some beans and rice, being diverse, whatever you have. I said having that is just like getting insurance. You know, you go buy a car. You'll get decent insurance. You got to buy a brand new car. You want to have good insurance on it, right? You're having that insurance in place in the event somebody hits you in your brand new car or a two or three year old car. It's still really nice. That insurance is going to fix it. You're basically hedging your bet. That's insurance. You're saying I need to have this in the event that I get an accident. And if you get an accident, they kick into place. And they say, okay, we're going to fix your car. We're going to pay you on this, and we're going to do it because you paid money to be insured. Same thing goes with life insurance. People get life insurance. Some people get health insurance. Grant a lot of them on all aspects of insurance have become a ripoff in most cases. However, not discounted, nor am I telling you not to have insurance. I'm not saying that at all. But that's what it is. It's insurance. And so you've got to look a lot of times at what's going on and simply ask yourself the question, is it worth having insurance on this? What are the pros? What are the cons? What are the upside? What's my exposure? And this is why anybody that's actually even mildly self-sufficient understands what's happening in the world. You start looking at things and you start understanding what's happening. You realize, yeah, it's probably a good idea to go and have some food insurance. So the fact that if I don't have to leave my house for a week or two weeks or three weeks or four weeks with my family, we can bunker down on our property and we can defend our neighborhood with our friends and family. We don't have to run to the convenience store or the Walmart and go fight with everybody over canned food. You simply go, okay, take a step back. Don't get a dither. Don't get in a hurry. Be relaxed and handle the situation accordingly as most effectively as you can. And that's what happens when you have some backup food supply. And so that's why I've always encouraged people to stay stocked up on some stuff because now more than time than ever, it's that time because there's so many strange things. And I think everybody's starting to realize that now where there's just these strange things that are happening and there's more and more restrictions, more and more rules, more and more telling you how bad it is for you to basically be self-sufficient while at the same time, They're having all this massive chaos and disarray all across the country. And so, again, that's something that just wanted to throw out there and encourage people to really stay educated and stay stocked up on whatever you need. It all depends on – and people ask me all the time, well, how much should I have? I said, my personal preference is my personal preference. I think 90 days for the family to eat very comfortably. To me, that's my personal preference. I think that's a good number. I think that's a sustainable number. I think it's a cost-effective number. You can still do it over the course of a few years as far as stacking up backup food and have in a, in a small area. You don't have to have a ton of area you know, space taken up, but the ability for you and your family to eat comfortably for three months, that's pretty solid to me. 
at that point, if you're starting to burn through food buckets and you can't hunt anymore and you can't fish anymore and everything's going to disarray, you probably don't need to be in that area anyways anymore if it's reached that point. So you probably should have already set up an exit strategy coming up to 90 days. I mean, honestly, at that point, you know, you, you need to find a different area where you can basically grow more or basically hunt more, fish more, and get out of that spot that you're in. And 90 days is a pretty doggone big buffer to be able to do so. Again, that's just my personal preference on it. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting as well. The WHO is exhibiting signs of desperation now as far as with their push on so many controls as New Zealand and Iran, ironically, these two countries, have rejected amendments to their international health regulations. And I have to say good for New Zealand, New Zealand and Iran. I don't know a ton about these countries as far as their background. I know New Zealand is extremely clean when it comes to their food. They're very, very picky. That's where we get our fit food whey protein, the one that was just on sale last week that a lot of you took advantage on a big sale that we had, is they have the strictest bovine laws in pretty much the entire world and as far as what the requirements are on their cattle, how they're handled, how they're processed. They can't be using any type of milk production or slaughter if they're on any antibiotics or any hormones. Very, very picky. That's why we get in the New Zealand way because it's so clean. And so I know they're very strict about a lot of stuff. And what's happening is now a lot of these countries are realizing that rejecting these controversial controversial amendments that were proposed by the World Health Organization in 2022. The critics warned that the proposed amendments approved last year by the World Health Assembly give the WHO too much power and increase the likelihood that future proposals, including the currently pending IHR agreements, which is basically the new the new WHO treaty that they're trying to put together, the WHO pandemic agreement. They're not calling it a treaty anymore. Essentially, they're saying that they're too far fetched and that they're going too far. The WHO member states has a December 1st, 2023 deadline to reject the 2022 amendments. New Zealand and multiple other countries have now essentially rejected that as the end of last year. Consequently, the period to reject or reserve future amendments was reduced even further as far as what's happening is now in a nutshell. This article is poorly written. The WHO is continually trying to now restrict anyone from being able to opt out of certain amendments or try to oppose them or try to change anything that they're going to follow. So you, this, this is the ironic part. So you as a country adopt to an absolutely tyrannical health agency that's global, that's not elected, and they start telling you how you have to operate your country. They know it's best for you. And then you start saying, no, these things are too crazy. This is too far-fetched. We're not going to operate on some of these. We're not going to follow some of these guidelines. This is just not what we're going to do. Then they pitch a fit and say, no, 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 no. You can't do that. You, you, can't, you can't opt out. Or if you opt out, we're only going to give you X amount of time to reject or reserve these amendments. Essentially, at that time, you can't opt out of them again. This is nuts, the fact that we're watching this right now with the World Health Organization and this agreement that's a treaty that's not a treaty because they can't get it passed through the Senate as a treaty. So they're trying to basically go in and supersede the Senate by saying it's an agreement that essentially Biden's going to sign on to. This whole thing's a boondockle with the WHO, and again, that's another reason why I don't listen to much of anything they say. Uh, also, to another news, this is interesting as well. The CDC's own scientists now found masks ineffective for COVID. But the agency recommended them anyways. This is crazy. According to an independent investigation journalist, Paul D. Thacker, published this week in the Disinformation Chronicle, officials at the Center for Disease Control openly questioned the finding of their own scientist studies, contradicting the agency's public messaging and demand for mask effectiveness. Said the CDC 
own scientists conducted studies showing that N95 respirators were no more effective at stopping viruses than the surgical mask. Yet the agency issued guidelines and demanded everyone still wear masks, even though they contradicted their own studies showing both types of masks are ineffective at stopping the spread of COVID. The investigation published in in, uh, two parts details how the CDC leadership openly questioned the findings of their scientists and essentially continue to shift the goalpost for the mask mandates in order to control the narrative. Dacker said CDC scientists found no difference between N95 and surgical masking ability to stop the spread of the viruses. The findings of CDC studies are consistent with other peer-reviewed studies on the efficacy of masks in preventing COVID-19. But the CDC responded by saying people can't say that. They have to follow our mandate. And what's crazy, and this is what you see now with the FDA, and this goes back to exactly what I started the show on, with alphabet agencies – where essentially they just do what they want now. And that's why I was so adamant with people, and I've told people before, anything that violates the rule of law, anything that violates the Constitution, anything that violates your ability to travel freely, to breathe freely, to live freely, unmolested on your way, is and it's, 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 a, it's invalid. There's no aspect to it that has any continuity. There's nothing aspect of it that should be followed, period. So I said, at what point in time do people start questioning rules and laws and mandates and say, this isn't something that's conducive to what I want. This isn't something that's going to go along with constitutional values, so I'm not going to follow it anymore. And again, it's so ironic that you had the CDC putting out press conferences every week, that you had them telling all the mainstream news outlets to push their narrative with the mask, and yet the CDC's own information goes into detail about the fact that these masks did not work. And this is what I was so adamant about. When I went to the school board with dad, we've talked about it in detail in the videos online on YouTube. They pulled it down. We got it reposted, and we went there, and we had our you know, three minutes to talk. And I got up there, and then dad got up there, and you know, I had about – I think it was like 12 or 14 different studies, research studies in my hand, a pile of them, and simply had them all. I referenced them reading them, going over them, talking about them, and I said, why is it that you're forcing five- and six-year-olds to have basically a mask on their face all day – When the research shows not only do they not work, they're massively contributing to more sicknesses. They're massively contributing to bacterial pneumonia. They're massively contributing to all types of other health problems in these young children. So these young children are not medical personnel. They have not been trained in protective equipment. They don't sit there and scrub down every time. When you have doctors go on and put masks on, when they scrub down, everything is clean. Everything and everything that's just started as soon as they're done with the surgery, period. They don't sit there and pull the mask out of their pocket for their next surgery. Oh, yeah, I've had this mask in my pocket for six days. I've used it for 18 surgeries. I'm going to put it back on again. Ha, ha, ha. They kick him out of the operating room. They call the short bus for him. They said, dude, what are you doing? Completely violated all personal equipment devices. You cannot do this. this is, you can't do this. It's disgusting. Yet we told children to do it all day long on a daily basis, dropping them on the floor, going to the bathroom with them, eating with them. And we wondered why these kids were having all these health problems. We were wondering why they're having all these social problems is because it never had anything to do with COVID. It wasn't even remotely related to COVID. It was all about conditioning and controlling the younger population to experiment on them and see what they would go along with. And that's exactly why I've said before, whatever they bring out in the next phase, whatever they talk about in the next time, I can guarantee you they're going to try to bring mass mandates out again. 100% guarantee because they were so effective at silencing the peasants. 
than masking them up and telling them not to talk. You can't say anything. Walk around. Because remember what I also told you too. The mask was designed to remind you of COVID. When people stopped wearing masks down here in Florida, the vast majority of them did very, very quickly. You still had the outliners that were just – they just yeah, – they were them. But you would go places, and COVID wouldn't even cross your mind anymore. You know, when you think about it, not that long after, you're walking around, people are walking around, you're talking, nothing abnormal, and then you'd see somebody with a mask, and you'd immediately, it would immediately trigger you. It was a psychological trigger in order to keep people reminded about COVID, to be fearful of anyone that wasn't wearing a mask, to look down on people because they weren't doing their part, and they were grandma killers for not wearing their mask. It was all designed to be a social experiment. A very effective one, I might add, as far as trying to force people to do that. And again, we talked about with the numerology where they always have six everywhere. You see six on the floor, then six on the floor again, then six on the door, and then six on the register going out. It's ironic they just happened to pick six, not five, not seven, six everywhere you went. Again, it was all about pushing that agenda. So again, this is something that I always encourage people. This is why you've got to be educated on a lot of these topics. Because the more educated you are on these topics, again, the more versed you are, the more you can stand up and be an example for other people. And I told you guys that one guy at the dealership in Orlando, I stopped by and I saw him one time, and he was one of the only guys in the dealership as a salesman, car dealership, didn't have a mask on. And I walked up and I shook his hand. It was, you know, like beginning of 2021. So COVID was still floating around, but it was Florida, so nobody cared. And uh, it's funny, I walked past the front desk and the lady has his box of masks. Was, was like a mask, sir? I said, no, I'm fine. She's like, sure, you don't want a mask? I said, no, I'm perfectly fine. I like, like breathing fresh air. I prefer it, but thank you. Have a nice day. And she stopped talking to me. And then I met my sales guy, and I looked at him and said, oh, you're not wearing a mask either. I said, you're an educated man. He goes, yeah. He goes, you know, I was doing it for a while. And he goes, I would see people in the store that were walking around freely, breathing air. And he goes, it encouraged me to stand up. He goes, you know, we're a year into this whole thing now. We've seen that the mask didn't slow anything down. And he goes, I feel like everybody's now just doing it to get along, to go along. And I said, that's exactly what a lot of people are doing. And he goes, I took my mask off, started walking around the store, decided to breathe freely, breathe fresh air. I said, imagine that. You can go back, all the way back to slavery times. You can go back to medieval times. You can go back to ancient history. You can go back to the Egyptians. You can go back to everything. Go back to the Greeks. You can go back to the Roman Empire. The aspect of muzzling, essentially, of victims or muzzling people that were prisoners is not a new thing. They've shown the, the devices they've used as far as to muzzle people and bag people and all these different things for thousands of years. It's humiliation. It's designed to control the prisoners. It's designed to keep them from talking. It's designed to basically make them lose their own self-worth and ruin their self-esteem. That's what it's all about, to degrade them to prevent them and basically treat them like they're not even human, like you're not allowed to operate. You can go outside as a prisoner, but you have to have a giant muzzle bolted on your face with a padlock. It means they have those. You can look them up. And that's, this, that's that concept of wearing a mask and wearing a muzzle. It's not new. And they just changed it and tweaked it to make everybody scared about it for a virus. So, Kim, just my two cents on it. thought I'd just – I don't know how it got off on the topic, but you know, it's just, just a side note as far as that. Also, too, in other news, this is interesting as well. And I was talking to you guys earlier about what was going on with the, uh, that family up in Massachusetts as far as with the groups that are coming in now. And it's ironic. I just saw an article here earlier, and that was up in Massachusetts with the families that were trying to Airbnb, basically, these migrants. And four migrants get dropped off randomly at their doorstep, and they don't even know who they are. They don't know how old they are, nothing about them. Now, Illinois councilman in Chicago 
is telling his community they should open their home to illegal immigrants to help with the ongoing immigration crisis, and it's your duty as a citizen to help out with this. I can't make this up. Councilman Josh McBroom shared this bizarre idea during the city council meeting where he also claimed that it's it's very affluent and compassionate communities where residents have lots of big homes, and he doesn't believe that they should be using taxpayer dollars to house and assist illegal immigration families. He added that lawmakers, essentially individuals that are local leaders, can do more to help these migrants by essentially opening up their door to them and allowing them to stay in their very spacious, affluent homes. He suggested they should create a sign-up sheet to find out if anyone would volunteer to rehome migrant families. <laughs> Again, this goes back to exactly what I talked about in Massachusetts, where you're coming in now and you're essentially saying the taxpayers that are paying property taxes, that are paying income tax, that are paying sales tax, that are paying taxes on top of their taxes on top of their taxes. You can't – don't even get me started as far how massively quadruple tax we are on everything. But they're saying that's not enough. Doing all that's not enough. Paying your property taxes is not enough either. You now need to let people stay in your home for free because they deserve it more than you deserve to be there, even though none of these people are even contributed to anything when it comes to tax structure, the infrastructure of these areas, but yet they're continuing to sponge off of it. And this is all about overwhelming the system. Dad talked about it in detail last week where you have these groups that are just coming in now, and they're just massively overwhelming every factor of the social fabric, and it's not sustainable. And these, these, these banker boys know this. They need a the distraction. Man, these regional banks right now, they're in a pickle. This, this, this commercial – the property crisis that we're watching right now is commercial property is a serious issue because one thing about you know when you're looking at residential real estate is that essentially people need places to live still. People have to essentially live somewhere, and the more people that are flooding here, that's why you have BlackRock coming in and buying up this massive real estate. That's why I don't think the the, the homeowner real estate is going to be as severe as the commercial real estate is where you have these massive areas now that are underwater, that a lot of people are moving and going digital and going online. Not to mention a lot of these places went completely out of business after COVID when the government comes in and says you don't have a right to work. You don't have a right to keep your business open or make a living, uh, but Costco and Sam's and the local liquor store and all the chain stores, well, yeah, they're, you know, they're essential workers. You know, I remember when all that happened during COVID. You know, we're registered as basically a grocer as far as in Auburndale, essentially, you know, business license, city license, taxes, and all that as far as resale and everything else. And so we legitimately fell under this category of essential workers, but didn't even matter to me. I was never going to shut down, even if they came to my front door and told me I couldn't. I said, okay, get a warrant. I flat out told them about it. I said, if that happens, I'm telling you, get a warrant. You, I want to go see a judge sign a court order warrant to come in and shut down a health food operation that sells food. <laughs> Just like to see that happen. And essentially, we saw that happen in Tampa, and it wasn't health food. It was essentially a gaming store. The guy sold video games, board games. It was like a, a local GameStop, so to speak. It wasn't GameStop. It was like a local one that was privately owned. And you know, you had law enforcement that was watching him sell stuff out the door because he, he didn't let people in his store, but people were calling him up and doing online orders, and he was essentially meeting them at the door and greeting them and selling them the stuff. And law enforcement showed up. And they said, you cannot sell anything. You're banned from selling anything. You guys can look the story up. It's a crazy story. And this is Tampa, Florida. This is right when COVID started, and they started doing all these stupid restrictions. And he goes, no, I'm not even bringing anybody in my 
office in my store. They're calling me up and doing online orders, and I'm essentially going and fulfilling their orders, and they're meeting me here. And they said, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You cannot operate a business. And he said, no, I'm going to operate a business. So finally they left, and they came back another day or two later. I said, we've witnessed you violating your warning. We've told you you're not allowed to operate any type of business. And he goes, okay, cool story. I'm still going to do it. So we're, you're under arrest now for violation of health act and failure to comply with the lawful command of a police officer. And they arrested him, took him a doggone lockup in Tampa. And essentially what happened was the attorney general and basically the prosecuting attorney over in Tampa got together and they said, this is a constitutional boondockle. This guy needs to get released and all charges need to get dismissed immediately. This is not okay, dude. This is going to go sideways super fast. You can't arrest somebody that has an active business license for operating a business that they're cleared to operate, that they pay taxes on, period. This does not work. And so essentially they end up releasing him. They drop the charges. He got an apology, a half-butt apology. But again, it set the precedent at that point now. That everybody realized in the state of Florida, we weren't playing this game and we're not going to go along with it. But it also, too, what it did, that's why I was proud of that, that business owner, is that he stood his ground on that. And ironically enough, now you see all these businesses set up the curbside, uh, you know, the curbside delivery now. Everybody's got this stupid curbside delivery. So you can go in, place an order online, pull up, they bring the stuff out to you, and you leave. Basically the same thing he was doing. He was just ahead of his time, but yet it was still illegal because you had these out-of-control law enforcement officers that had nothing else to do besides monitor what he was doing. And it's kind of like when you deal with these down here in Florida with the Florida State Troopers, which is a lot of them are great guys, but some of them just literally have nothing better to do. And they'll sit out and hide you know, behind a billboard under a tree at 8.30 on Sunday morning when everybody's going to church and radar people and pull them over for doing seven or eight miles an hour over the speed limit. It, it's ludicrous. It, it really is a direct violation of everybody's rights, considering the fact that speedometers can be off by a couple miles an hour, that not everything's calibrated from the factory accurately. If tires have been changed out on a vehicle, slightly larger, slightly smaller, they can change the speedometer of the vehicle. But yet it doesn't matter because you have law enforcement that's coming in there and saying, it's my job to you know, give people tickets for doing you know, six miles an hour over the speed limit. That's what I'm here to do. I'm going to make sure this, this family on the way to church knows that I mean business. They're doing 76 and a 70, and I'm going to give them a ticket. Individuals like that are, quite frankly, a scourge on society because they're not contributing anything positive. Nobody in the family is learning anything positive about that. Nobody's sitting around saying, man, I'm really happy I get to go pay a $200 ticket now and go take a class trying to get my points off because I was doing six over the speed limit. In reality, it may not have been six over the speed limit based on tire calibration. But again, this is what happens when you have individuals put into places of authority that manipulate and overstep their boundaries. And so again, that's why it's so important to really know who you're voting for in a lot of these areas. Do the best you can to essentially vote, get involved with stuff, at least locally. Federal election, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen this year with that. I've had so many people ask me that, and I think everybody kind of has an understanding and idea after they blatantly stole it in 2021, you know, 2020. The factor of having a real true republic and having a real true election is pretty much starting to dissolve, especially on a national scale like that. And so, again, we'll see what happens. We'll see how far they manipulate it. The, the only issue they're going to run into this year is unless they try to start some massive pandemic again with the mail-in ballots, they're going to have a very difficult time doing what they did in 2020 because – of how many people and how many districts are aware and awake of what happened, and you don't have these massive mail-in ballots that are literally just 
piled up by the tens of millions now in every single place as far as across the country. It, it, that that right there, everybody knew what was happening when that was getting set up. And so again, we'll see what happens. And the most the best thing we can do, like I said earlier, is stay educated, stay sharp, stay healthy, stay strong. So I continue to encourage people to maintain their overall health. You know, I had a lot of people email me this week. They got the ultimate multiple powder last week and have been trying it. And they absolutely love it. And I took two scoops this morning of my GHI cleanse, and they said, man, I get so much more energy. You know, I just, my, my brain, my cognitive functioning is so much better when I'm running this stuff. And I said, it's because your body needs those nutrients. There's no caffeine. There's no stimulants in the multiple powder. Nothing in it as far as, as, far as stimulants when stimulant wise. I said, but the body craves those nutrients. And the food supply we now have in this country is very, very minimal at best when it comes to nutrients. Put that, put that loosely. And so, again, it's really, really important that people understand that you've got to supplement with good quality nutrients. Buying that junk from Walmart and Sam's is super great value. Buy one bottle, get eight free, and it's all calcium carbonate and shellac and these tablets that don't even dissolve. I promise you, you're not only you're wasting your money, you're just putting poison in your body. If you're going to go through the process of taking supplements, take some good quality supplements. And that's why we recommend if you have any questions, always feel free to give us a call at healthmasters.com because we'll be happy to help you out and answer your questions. Steve's one of the main ones on the phone all the time. A lot of customers love talking to him. He's very educated on topics. He takes all the supplements. He's been very sharp for years, and so he's really good at helping people out and kind of getting them in the right direction. And, of course, if you guys need anything, you can also email us at health, on healthmasters.com. Be sure to check out a lot of the specials and sales we have currently going on a regular basis to make sure everybody has the opportunity, including the immune support kit. And a lot of people have been hearing people getting sick and cold, getting flu, whatever. It's always ironic when everybody starts getting the shot and then everybody else starts getting sick around them. Just surprise, surprise. That's on sale right now. And also, too, the Berberine Ultimate is on sale for a few more days right now. I extended that sale because a lot of people are trying to stock up on it, take advantage of it, because what it does for blood sugar and maintaining overall blood sugar support and healthy glucose metabolism. So again, check that out if you really want to start burning body fat and get your blood sugar in control. The Berberine Ultimate is amazing. If you need anything, you know where to get a hold of us, healthmasters.com. I appreciate the support. Hope you guys had a great show today. Had a lot of topics. I got more stuff we're going to cover tomorrow. Have a fantastic evening. Stay strong and healthy as always. And I'll talk to you again on this show tomorrow as always, my friends. You have a great evening. Broadcasting to the U.S. and around the world. 
by way of clear digital audio, 22,500 miles above the planet. This is the Global Star Radio Network. 